Good evening, News Source 1 Michigan. Now, this is Sylvia, your News Source 1 Michigan Director, as well as Anchor Manager of Michigan 101. Hope you get a chance to enjoy the sunshine that is happening this weekend before the coldness comes. Spring is right around the corner, and March 1st is approaching us on Wednesday. For today's re-edition of Michigan 101, we will be f- focusing on inclusive Black History Month as it wraps up in a few short days. You will hear a devotional, the second session of Dr. Tony Evans, 
and you're gonna learn more about Jehovah and Adonai. And as you remember, Tony Evans is the father of Priscilla Shire. Priscilla Shire played in War Room. You will also be hearing some little knowledge on the Kentucky Slave Raid of 1847 that traveled through Michigan and how significant that is to the people of the world today. I will also bring back some of the kids' black history stuff that we learned about previous. And you will hear music featuring inclusively African Americans or black or gospel type music that really signifies who we are as America today. Sometimes we as individuals get lost in who we are as a person. God created us each in his image. It doesn't matter what race, nationality, origin you were, you were created in the image of God. Dr. Martin Luther King has a dream that we will all get along someday. Although his dream is reality, there is still segregation, discrimination, racism in the world today. It's still happening, and it's sad. When one person causes trouble, the whole race is a statistic. I'm somebody who is biracial, which means that I have some black history within me, as well as the white American side. Sometimes we just need to take a step back and realize how valuable each and every one of you are, no matter what your origin, race, nationality is, or gender, normality, whatever you are identifying yourself as this time. God created you just the way he wanted you to be. Sometimes the devil gets in there and he triggers us. He gets in there and he's like, I'm attached. You can't do that. Because God says, why did God say you can't do this? But we got to remember, we're all created in the likeness of God. Remember, you are strong. You are brave. You are created in the image of God and you are a child of God. Take care and have a wonderful day. In this session, we're going to look at the names Jehovah and Adonai. Jehovah is the self-revealing God. It's when he discloses himself to you so that you come to see something about him that relates to your everyday existence and everyday life. That's why Jehovah is coupled so much in the Bible with other names. We're going to look at some of those names. It comes right on the heels of Elohim. Elohim is the powerful God. We look at that. Jehovah is the self-revealing God. God wants you to see his power in the context of a relationship. He wants to reveal himself to you. Adonai, well, that's the master. That's the ruler. He wants to have the final say-so in your life. He wants to rule you. When you get those working for you, the powerful God who has a relationship, Jehovah, who now has the say-so over your life, Adonai, you've come to know God. You're coming to be transformed by that knowledge. Welcome to the great Jehovah who also wants to be your Adonai. A teacher gave her classroom an assignment 
to draw a picture of something that was important to them. She began to walk around the classroom and came upon one of her students and uh, asked him, well, what's your picture? He says, I'm drawing a picture of God. He says, what? She says, I'm drawing a picture of God. She said, well, you, you can't do that because nobody knows what God looks like. Students said, they will when I get finished. <laughs> Everybody has a concept of God, but any picture you come up with on your own, it's going to be a bad photograph. Right. Remember those old photographs in the malls where you walk in at the little booth behind the curtain, yes. put in your money, yes. sit down, it takes a picture and then pumps out like four copies. Don't show those to nobody. God would not allow man to make a graven image of him. Thou shalt not make any graven image. Because any picture you come up with is going to be a bad photograph. If you really want to know who God is and what it looks like, one of the best ways to do that is by understanding his names. And God has a name that relates to our reality. We say God, but that encompasses so many aspects of this awesome person. We've already looked at Elohim. But in this session, we want to look at two other names for God. I call them core names. Elohim is a core name. Today, Jehovah and Adonai. Jehovah comes out of a situation. In fact, most of God's names in scripture come out of scenarios in which God reveals himself in the realities of where people are. One of the best ways to discover God's name is to need him. Amen. Because then he reveals something about himself that you would not otherwise know experientially. Because he wants us to experience his name, not just be able to recite it. So that we have a, a great, great picture of who he is. Moses saw a bush that wouldn't burn. That's a contradiction. When you've got a bush on fire, it's supposed to be burning, but he finds this bush is staying green. Even though it's engulfed in flames. He turns and responds to the contradiction. When he turns and responds to the contradiction, a voice comes out of the flame and says, Moses, Moses, watch out whenever God calls your name twice. <laughs> Moses, Moses, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. Uh, I'm here now. Then God wants Moses to do a mighty task. He wants him to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Now Moses' mama didn't raise a dummy. He said, now I messed up 40 years ago. I've been out here learning my lesson for 40 years. And now you want to send me back to the people I've been running from to tell them to let the people go who I tried to get let go that got me in trouble in the first place. So uh, I, you and I have to have a talk. I don't know if you've ever had to have a conversation with God because he doesn't make sense right now. Uh, well, watch out when God doesn't make sense 
in the circumstances of life because he can really show you something new about him you've never seen before. So Moses enters into a dialogue with God in Exodus chapter 3. God says, I will send you to Pharaoh, verse 10, that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? He said, certainly I will be with you. And this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt and you shall worship God at this mountain. Then Moses said to God, behold, I am going to the sons of Israel and I will say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Now I'm going out here, God, and telling them, the God of my forefathers sent me to you to lead you out of here. You know what I'm going to look like to them people? And they're going to want to know, who is this God who told you to do this? So I need to know who you are by you telling me your name. Then God responds to Moses. I am, verse 14, who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am sent me to you. Now I know what you're thinking. What kind of name is that? <laughs> Moses says, what's your name? God says, I am that I am is my name. Now this phrase was a sacred phrase to the Jews was made up of four consonants. These four letters that could not be pronounced without vowels. The sacred name of God. When vowels were added to it, so it was made pronounceable, the four letters became Yahweh. When Yahweh gets translated into English, it's Jehovah. So Jehovah is the English translation of the Hebrew Yahweh, which is the name God gave to himself with the four letters that couldn't be pronounced without vowels. So whenever you say Jehovah, you're referring to Yahweh, which are vowels placed with the, with the contents that are in verse 14 when he tells Moses who he is. He says, I am that I am. The reason why... Jehovah, Yahweh, is such a sacred name is because it is the name he gave himself. Not the name that somebody else gave him or recognized. He says, this is my name. And my name is I am, which means Jehovah. Why is this name significant? What makes this name so special? In fact, let me go a little deeper. What makes this God's favorite name. This name is used almost 7,000 times in the Old Testament to define who God is. You may say, but how do I know when I'm seeing that name? Well, you can know it because when you pick up your English Bible, you will see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. When the, all four letters are capitalized in your English Bible, that is normally going to refer to Jehovah. 
as opposed to when you see capital L, small o, small r, small d. Because that will refer to the name I'm going to address in a moment, Adonai. So even your English Bible attempts, since both are referring to God, to help us to understand the distinction through the capitalization process that you wouldn't normally see just by reading the English Bible and not knowing the various Hebrew words. He says, you tell them I am has sent you. Now, that may not seem like much of a name, but this name of God, you really need to know because it is the name God uses when he wants to reveal himself to you. Elohim, he wants to show you his muscles. That's his strength. Jehovah, he wants to get closer to you in a relationship. And so Jehovah means we want a relationship. That's why he tells Moses, you tell them that I am, that I am has sent you. So let's talk about this name, this I am name. I am that I am is no small thing. First of all, you can't say it. I can't say it. No human being can say, I am that I am. Because you are because you were created. Okay? I am that I am brings together five concepts just in that phrase, I am that I am. First of all, it is the concept of self-sufficiency. In other words, because God exists, I am, because God exists, that I am, that means God doesn't have to go outside of himself to exist. In other words, he is sufficient within himself. He doesn't have to go to the store to buy food. He doesn't have to drive a car to go somewhere because all he needs is within himself. The sun doesn't have to find fire to stay hot because it's self-sufficient with flame. In other words, the flame to keep it hot is already inside of it. And all it is doing is rotating its already existence. When God says, I am that I am, he's saying he is sufficient and therefore has no need to go outside of himself for anything. When I am needs something, I am goes to I am. Because I am that I am. So whatever I am wants or needs, not that he needs anything, but if he were to need something, I am would just go to I am. And that's why the, the, the issue is, uh, you know, am I a man, God says, that, that, that I would be dependent? So number one, Jehovah, that is I am, means that our God is self-sufficient. Number two, I am means he's also self-existent. He is because he is. Now, that throws us for a curveball because none of us are self-existent. We need things in order for us to function that are outside of ourselves. We do not purely exist within ourselves. So he is that he is because he is. He doesn't have to try to be. We're always trying to be somebody, become somebody, act like somebody, not like who we are, but God is because he is. Which leads to the third one. It speaks of eternality because 
It's present tense. Not I was. Not I will be. I am. Let me tell you something about God. He has no past and he has no future. He lives in perpetuity. I like that word. Let me say that again. <laughs> he lives in perpetuity of the present tense. I am that I am. Not I was, not I will be. Everything for God is right now. Now, we can't relate to that because we have past, present, and future. So we, we were, we are, we will be. That's not God. God always exists because there is no yesterday and no tomorrow. He only speaks to us in those terms. It's called anthropomorphic language, speaking in terms that people can understand so he can relate to us and we can relate to him so he uses our language. But when we talk about him, he is in an eternal state and everything is now. So whenever God talks to you about something that will happen using our language, you better believe it because he's already been there and come back. He, he waiting for it to happen. He's already located it and had the return trip because he ever lives in the present tense. By the way, that explains our relationship in eternity with Jehovah. Because when we hit eternity, there is no night. Remember? There's no night in heaven. Okay? Everything is perpetual sunlight and perpetual uh, daylight with no clock. Now, if you lived with no clock and no night, you would never know the time. Because remember when Elohim created, evening and morning became the first day. Darkness and light allowed you and allows us to have time. The reason you're going to be in eternity is there will be no measurement of time. I am is inviting us into his I amness. We will be with the I am being I am because he's going to cast away the darkness. And in fact, he says he himself will be the sun. Okay. Because God is in an eternal state. That's why the Bible talks about the immutability of God. And he does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is what he was in our view and will be in our view. He has always been and always will be. Well, you may raise the question, but wait a minute. Uh, I, I, I see times in the Bible where men change. I read times in the Bible where it says God repented. Well, if you read times in the Bible where men change, all he did was an, adjust one of his attributes to our change. Like in Nineveh, it says God repented. He changed his mind. But how can he change if he's the changeless God? Changeless God. Because they changed in their relationship to him. So when you change, he just adjusts something that's already always been true of him to your adjustment. So don't think it's God's changing. It's you changing and God being consistent with your change. Because he is the immutable God. But he's also, as we've already indicated, personal because he says, I am. Yes. Personal God.
He's a personal God that wants to walk with you and talk with you. Here God gives his major name, his most personal name, and he says, I am. That tells us that this God is also self-defined. He's self-defined. I am that I am means I am not what you want me to be. Let me tell you about me. You, you ever have people in your life who want to tell you about you? You know, they don't know that much about you. But they want to tell you about you. And you have to sit them down and say, especially when it's your children, you got to sit them down. You know, they talking about I think. You ain't been around here long enough to think. But here, mere creations of God want to dictate to him. He says, no, I am that I am. I'm going to define this thing. When you and I get to live with the I am, Jehovah, forever, he is so inexhaustible because he's eternal and self-generating that it will take eternity to fully discover him. The reason you're going to have to live forever is because it's going to take that long. Because he is the infinite eternal God and you in fact, there's going to be so much to learn about God that God is canceling night so that you don't sleep and miss nothing <laughs> he's going to give you a brand new body so that you won't even get tired and need to take a break so that there will be the non-stop here's the scripture of heaven nothing boring about it Heaven is the non-stop, uninterrupted, no commercials, knowledge of God. It's where God gets to show off 24 hours a day, even though there is no day, so you can get to know him better. And his name is Jehovah, Yahweh, the four letters that cannot be pronounced. And he teaches us this name through the intersections of life. In fact, if you go back to Genesis, we see God combining this name with Elohim. He combines it with Elohim because beginning in verse 4, you see the Lord God. All the way, the Lord God, the Lord God, the Lord God, the Lord God, the Lord God. Why does he now add Yahweh to Elohim? God, Elohim, Lord, Yahweh, he combines the two. Why does he now combine the two? Because you can't get God's power until you have God's relationship. See, a lot of people want Elohim, but they don't want Jehovah. But if you want to experience Elohim, you got to draw near to Jehovah. So that's why in Genesis chapter 3, when Satan talks to Eve, he says, Hath God said? He leaves off Jehovah and only wants to discuss Elohim. Because he doesn't mind religion as long as there's no relationship. Because he knows if there's no relationship, there'll be no power. So that's why to get more of Elohim, don't go Elohim hunting, go Jehovah hunting, because Jehovah will bring in Elohim. The Lord God. Don't let Satan get Jehovah out of the equation. Adonai. Adonai, capital L, small R, o, small O, small R, small D, typically in the New Testament. It refers to the master or the ruler the one who is in charge. 
when this name comes up, it is calling you to submission to Jehovah. Watch this. Elohim is the power. Jehovah is the relationship. Adonai is positioning yourself under Jehovah so you can experience Elohim. It is yielding to God as master. God is said in scripture to be the Adonai, Psalm 97 verse 5, of the whole earth. He's the master and ruler of the whole earth. This belongs to God. He's the ruler. He's in charge. But when you start driving your life your own way and going by your own rules, you're jeopardizing the relationship so that you're losing out on experiencing more of Elohim. He wants you to recognize and submit to him as master. That's why when Moses recognized him as Adonai in chapter 4, verses 10 to 13 of the book of Exodus, then God began to lead him in victory over Pharaoh. He said, my name is Jehovah in chapter 3. Moses recognizes him as Adonai in chapter 4 so that now the power of God is experienced when it comes to setting God's people free. When Isaiah, you remember Isaiah chapter 6? Isaiah chapter 6 says that in the king, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord. He saw the capital O, capital L, small O, small R, small D. The Hebrew word there is Adonai. Why? Because he's comparing it with a ruling king who died and the ruling king who's still alive. He wants you to know that you submit to this king no matter what's happening to the kings around you. Because when you submit to Adonai, you experience more of Jehovah so that you can uh, piggyback on the power of Elohim. You know, in, in courts, on TV, you know, Judge Judy and Judge Brown and, you know, they've got these judges. And they have people who come in. I don't know where they get these people from. But they get, <laughs> no, they get people who come in to try their cases before the court judge. Now, before you can get on that show, you must agree to something in advance. You must agree that whatever the judge says is the final decision. That the judge's ruling you must submit to, or they will not hear your case, and you won't be on television. See, a lot of us want to get God's ruling to decide if we're going to submit. That's called backwards Christian soldiers. You don't get his uh, ruling and then make your decision. He says, you call me Lord and let me render my decision. But when I render my decision because you've come under and submitted to Adonai, then the result will be you'll get more of Jehovah so that you can experience the power of Elohim. The problem is we don't want full-time submission. We got a lot of folks, even Christians, who want full-time blessing while they have part-time commitment. It's like the story of the chicken and the pig. We're walking down the street, and they came across a sign that said, bacon and eggs desperately needed in the window of a grocery store. The chicken looked at the pig and said, the grocer needs some bacon, and the grocer needs some eggs. Let's help the grocer. I give them the eggs, you give them the bacon. Pig said, you got to be out of your mind. Chicken said, what's the problem? 
He said the problem is real simple. For you, it's a contribution. For me, it's the whole thing. See, a lot of us want to give a God an egg here and an egg there. Here an egg, there an egg, everywhere an egg, egg. When he want pork chops, ham hocks, chitlins. No, he wants the whole thing. He wants us to fully submit to who he is. In fact, in Moses' case, when he called God Adonai, he says, I can't speak, I stutter. But he called God Adonai, and then God says, I got your tongue. Now that you've submitted to me, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing here today preaching. Many people don't know that as a kid growing up, I had to go to special classes because I stuttered when I spoke and I couldn't hardly finish a sentence. I shouldn't be here. But when I committed my life to Jesus Christ as a teenager, he joined my stammering tongue and gave me the privilege of being here. So if you want to see Elohim, draw near to Jehovah. Submit to Adonai and watch him blow your mind. Oh, 
his wife, his daughter, a man named Rooster, and Perry Sanford are staying. At 4 o'clock in the morning, they hear a knock at the door. Joe goes, who's there? A voice replies, a friend. They all recognize the voice. It's the voice of Jack Grace, Joe's slave master. Joe doesn't let him in. Joe starts yelling, murder, murder, hoping somebody would hear him and come to his rescue. Then Jack Grace takes his double barrel shotgun. He sticks it through the window of the cabin. Joe picks up a hickory stick. He strikes Jack Grace with a hickory stick. Jack Grace drops the shotgun in the window, and he leaves. None of them pick up the shotgun, and Jack Graves and others soon return. They capture Joe, his wife, and his daughter. Perry Sanford managed to escape through the roof and make his way to the boathouse to warn Stephen. While he went to go get reinforcements, Sanford hid right up here. Group Stevens also escaped to get help. Group Stevens made it to William Jones' home. William Jones mounts his horse and he rides to Stephen Bogue's home. The slave catchers are there. They have pistols and bowie knives. William Jones, a Quaker, he doesn't have any guns, but he tells them that he can shoot as fast as they can. And he stays there and he talks to them until Stephen Bogue and 30 others come from Cassopolis. And they go from Stephen Bogue's home to the Odell Mill in Vandalia, where it's estimated between 100 to 300 people had gathered. 13 of them were slave catchers with nine freedom seekers, but the rest of the crowd was made up of Quakers, free black people, abolitionists, and other townsfolk. Josiah Osborne spoke to the slave catchers, and they agreed to have their case settled in court. With the Cass County Commissioner out of town, this case was presented to the Berrien County Commissioner. Ebenezer McIlvain was secretly a conductor in the Underground Railroad in Niles, who gave freedom seekers an edge never seen inside a courtroom at that time. He allowed blacks to testify against their slave owners, which was unheard of. Then he turned to the Kentucky and said, prove your case. McIlvain rejected their argument under the 1793 Fugitive Slave Law, ruling in favor of the freedom seekers. The nine joined a group of 31 more on their way to Canada, with Sanford deciding to stay in Battle Creek, where he would later tell his story in the newspaper in 1884. The aftermath of this event, and many others like it, drove lawmakers to make even stricter fugitive slave laws, like the one in 1850 that denied anyone accused of fleeing from a plantation the right to testify against their supposed master. It also established harsher punishments for those who tried to hide freedom seekers, and even led to numerous free black people being unjustly sent into slavery without the ability to defend themselves in court. However, Kentuckians got the message that Young's Prairie was off limits, forming a haven for freedom seekers and free black people alike. Sometimes it costs a lot to do the right thing, but it's always right to do the right thing. By the 1860s, more than 100 black-owned properties popped up all across Young's Prairie. Cass County was home to the second largest number of black settlers in the state leading up to the Civil War. that this story is proudly displayed on a mural in downtown Cassopolis that commemorates the spirit of respect and inclusivity that molded this community on August 17, 1847. The legacy of this history not only lives on in the documents at the Underground Railroad Society of Cass County, but also in the DNA of folks who still call this place home. Hear from a woman who traces her lineage back to one of the early free black pioneer families that settled in Young's Prairie in the 1850s as we continue to uncover Michiana's black history with part two tomorrow. Fascinating stuff, Jack. Jack Springgate, live in the studio tonight. Jack, thank you. 
Yesterday, we told you about the moment when Cass County, known as Young's Prairie in the pre-Civil War days, chose the side of justice during the Kentucky slave raid of 1847. Now, while the fight for freedom was far from over, Young's Prairie had cemented itself as a place that would welcome black Americans, whether or not they were seeking freedom or already had it. 16 News Now reporter Jack Springgate is uncovering this black history with the Underground Railroad Society of Cass County to show us how the legacy of Young's Prairie lives on in the descendants of those early black settlers who stayed for good. Jack joins us live in the studio with more. Jack. Yeah, Lauren and Terry, Young's Prairie was more than just a stop on the Underground Railroad for freedom seekers. It was also home to several integrated schools and hundreds of black-owned properties, and this was all before the Civil War. In fact, it's still home to many of the descendants of those original freedom seekers and free black settlers more than 180 years later. Some of them are now just learning about their ancestors' stories, even after living here their entire lives. has lived in Vandalia for 75 years, but her family has roots in this area dating back to the 1860s. The Snelling family was a free pioneers in the 1860s and 70s. They owned about 200 acres of, of property in Calvin Township. There are documents listing someone by the name of A. Snelling moving to Calvin Township as early as 1853. That's where his son, Joseph Snelling, was born. He raised a daughter named Louisa Snelling Keith. That woman is Beverly Young's grandmother. My grandmother lived in Brownsville, where we called it Brownsville then. She had two sons, Joe, Joseph, which is my dad. Keith, he was an Army vet. And she had another son, Laurel Keith, which was a Tuskegee Airman vet. They both went to the one-room schoolhouse that was just purchased by the Underground Railroad. She's talking about the Underground Railroad Society of Cass County. Since 2010, they've purchased four buildings that are key in telling the history of the Underground Railroad in this area and the history of how black people were treated when they moved here. That one-room schoolhouse, for example, was one of the first of its kind to make education available to anyone, regardless of skin color. Some architectural experts tell us that it was certainly here in the mid-1840s, and it was integrated from the very moment it was constructed. Very rare. Segregation was pretty much the rule even here in the north, so it was possibly in one of the very earliest integrated public one-room schoolhouses in our region, perhaps even in the state of Michigan. Young says her experience growing up as a black woman in Vandalia was not like what most other black Americans lived through in the years leading up to the civil rights movement. Races was not a problem, not in Vandalia. You know, it was mixed and we, our friends were white and black. Racial issues that I experienced was after I got married in the, in the middle 60s and with job hunting stuff I was just shocked because I wasn't used to having racial issues growing up. Her family is closing in on two centuries since first settling in Cass County but the histories of black people and the Underground Railroad in this area are only recently coming to the surface. It's more recent in school. I don't remember if it's ever been taught anything about Underground Railroad. 
I was involved with Kathy when we first started up here. So I'm learning every day about Underground Railroad. The Underground Railroad Society of Cass County is keeping this history alive at the Bonine House, former home of James E. Bonine. He and many Quakers like him played an instrumental role in providing black settlers land and opportunity in their new home. He also helped freedom seekers escape the South as a station master on the Underground Railroad. People can get a glimpse at what life was like on the road to freedom right here at the carriage house that's just across the street. People can see how freedom seekers discreetly made their way from one station to the next at this building that also sat in clear view for Bow 9 to monitor anyone who might be approaching to search for them. The Bogue House is another underground railroad station where folks can see exactly where freedom seekers hid, especially during the pivotal Kentucky slave raid of 1847. We've already told you about that event, but it also lives on as a mural in downtown Cassopolis, proudly acknowledging the past that led to this community's present. And there's so much more black history to uncover in Cass County that I didn't have time to tell you about, but that shouldn't stop you from seeking it out yourself. I want to personally thank the Underground Railroad Society of Cass County and Beverly Young for their work in bringing these events, stories, and truths to the surface. While we can't change history, we can learn from it and try to undo the impacts of racism in America's past. How else are we supposed to come together when we don't even know what's keeping us apart? That's why we're uncovering Michiana's black history. Looking for something fun to do on Saturday mornings? Here's something just for you. You can head over to the South Bend Farmer's Market from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. to check out all the vendors' goods that they have to offer. And they're located at 1105 Northside Boulevard in South Bend, Indiana. Take care and have a wonderful day. Did you know if you are a resident of Indiana, you may qualify for a unified tax credit, and that is if you're elderly. Some of the requirements are, you may be able to claim the unified tax credit if you or your spouse meets the following requirements. You and or your spouse are age 65 or older by the end of the tax year. You are to file a joint return if you are married and living together at any time during the year. Your federal adjusted gross income must be less than 10000 You must claim the credit by June 30th of the tax year. You must have been a resident of Indiana for six months or more during the tax year, and you must not have been in prison for 180 days or more during the tax year. The credit can range from anywhere from $40 to $140, depending on your age, marital status, and income. And it must be claimed no later than June 30th, following the close of the tax year. The people who are eligible for this is anyone 65 or older at the end of the tax year. For more information, you can head over to the irs.gov website for more information. Take care and have a wonderful day. Calling all young entrepreneurs, especially the kids. You can attend the North Webster Community Center is looking for young entrepreneurs. They will be having a kids business fair and this will take place on March 18th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. You can bring your products, services, and talent 
And the website for that is www.nwcommunitycenter.org. You can give them a call at 574-834-1600, extension 222. The registration deadline is March 3rd. Registration will be $10 per person. Registration concludes a 10 by 10, one, one eight inch table and two chairs, one booth space per business. The cash prizes will be the highest business potential, will be the Canada Second Division, the most best presentation of 35th grade division, and the most original idea, a sixth grade, eighth grade division. This is Kazi Osco's County, largest kids business fair that has been running strong for many years, designed to give kids the opportunity to learn about owning and operating their own business and selling a product or service. Kiddos are encouraged to come up with an idea, make it themselves, or provide a service and earn money. Parents are encouraged to be lesson givers, supportive helpers, and silent partners. We encourage the entry fee to be earned through the child's business or borrowed from an investor. With the exception that this will be repaid in a timely manner. Parents of younger children may sit in their space, but the children are responsible for the setup, sales, interacting with the customers. Each young entrepreneur will receive a t-shirt if registered before March 3rd. You can visit their website. Once again, it is www.nwcommunitycenter.org or you can call their office at 574-834-1600, extension 222. Take care and have a wonderful day. devil but I know you can hear me you have played with my mind and had your way long enough no more you are done Schemes and your.
And that means you are out. done it again, Lord. You've done it again. You are good and you are mighty and you are merciful. And you keep taking care of me when I don't deserve it. Praise you, Jesus. You are Lord. Give me another one, Lord. Guide me to who you want me to help. Raise up more that will call upon your name. Raise up those that love you and seek you and trust you. Raise them up, Lord. Raise them up. Lord, we need a generation of believers who are not ashamed of the gospel. We need an army of believers, Lord that hate to be lukewarm and will stand on your word above all else. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. I pray for unity among those that love you. I pray that you open their eyes so that they can see your truth, Lord. I pray for your hand of protection and guidance. Raise up a generation, Lord, that will take light into this world. That will not compromise when under pressure. That will not cower, Lord, when others fall away. Raise them up, Lord, that they will proclaim that there is salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. Raise up warriors, Lord, who will fight on their knees who will worship you with their whole hearts, Lord. Lord, call us to battle, that we may proclaim King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray these things with all my heart. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. Hey there, little brown girl I just want you to know That your hair and your lips and your skin Melanin, it's all beautiful Hey there, little brown girl I just want you to know 
It's okay for your nose to have a little bulge. Ain't nothing wrong with having bigger nostrils. This brown girl, you are so beautiful to me. I hope you see. Hey, there, little brown girl, I just want you to see that if your gums aren't pink and your edges aren't asleep, they don't mean. You were strong enough to conquer the world And realize that you're melanated, educated, often imitated But you never duplicated So believe me when I say that you are powerful You are worthy And if you're passionate, it doesn't mean you're angry So keep your head up and let your voice be heard Cause you are everything and more that this world needs Little brown girls, you are so
This country was built on slavery, which means slaves built this country. Tilled this land from sea to sea to sea. First there was rice, tobacco, sugar cane. Then Whitney did his thing and cotton became king. And we weren't soldiers. Four million strong. Fighting for America's freedoms, even though we remained America's slaves. slaves. Built this country. The descendants of slaves continue to build this. Slaves built this country. And we, the descendants of slaves in America, have earned reparations for their suffering. And continue to earn reparations every moment we spend submerged in the system. Masons, blacksmiths, musicians, inventors, build cities from Jamestown to New Orleans, Savannah, Kansas, Washington, 40 acres and a mule. We'll take the 40 acres, keep the mule. We, we made, made your families rich. From the southern plantation heirs to the northern bankers to the New England ship owners, the founding fathers, former presidents, current senators, the Illuminati, the New World Order, slaves built this country. We had Tubman, Turner, Frederick D. Then they say Lincoln freed the slaves. But slaves were men. And women. And free ourselves. Emancipation is not freedom. Jim Crow, segregation, redlining, public schools, feeding private prisons, where we become slaves again. As we celebrate Juneteenth for the umpteenth time, our account is still outstanding. Cause this country was built on slavery, which means slaves built this country. And we demand our 40 acres and a mule. That. You can keep the mule. Keep the 40. We're taking our freedom.
this will wrap up Michiana 101. Hope you got a chance to learn more information about black history and what that means for you and other people around the area. Sometimes we need to take a glimpse of what other races and nationalities and origins are. Gender identities, whatever you call it is, is we're all unique. We're all created in which I'm glad. You may not like someone's lifestyle, but you should respect them and love them for who they are. That's what Jesus would want us to do. That's what God would want us to do. Now sometimes we get caught up in this life of who am I? And I'm not good enough for such and such. But don't let that define define who you are. You are wonderfully made in the image of God. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that, of how beautiful we are, handsome we are. A lot of times you see that the ladies and women are the ones who are put down, but there's also men who are put down because of the way they look, because they don't provide enough for their family. But we all know that they are created God's image too. Sometimes we need to look in the life of other people, of other races, of other nationalities, other religions, and see what we have in common. You may not agree with the lifestyle, but you still respect them and love them for who they are. And it, yes, it can be a challenge. As you think about your life today and in the future, what's one thing you can do to better your life for God? And how can you treat your neighbors with respect? Who is your neighbors? Your neighbors is everyone around you. During a river wrap up Black History Month. Did you learn something new? Were you inspired by a song that really made you want to be happy or really you really felt God was tugging on your heart? Sometimes there are songs that really bring us together. Unity. Hopefully, you can be united in Christ one day with your fellow brothers and sisters. Maybe there is someone out there who's not quite quite ready to go to accept Jesus into your life. Maybe that's you. When you are ready, you can simply pray, Lord, come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. Lord, come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. It takes a lot for us to really raise who we are. Hopefully, you'll be able to just take a break from life today and become a child of God in the best way possible. Take care and have a blessed week.